Well, good morning, everybody. How are y'all doing? It was a crazy week last week, right? You guys okay? Get some damage or anything? Any damage on, from the storm? Or was the storm a little bit light for you guys? Hopefully it was okay. But any of you guys who maybe had some damage or anything like that, let us know. One of the things about being part of a church family here is that we do this together. And so if there's any way that we can serve you or help you out or anything like that, uh, please uh, let us know. Uh, if you're our guest this morning uh, and you don't know me, my name is Tyler Jagan. I'm the lead pastor here at River Run. And we are just really grateful and humbled that you would take the time to come hang out with us on this Sunday morning. Really, we just really have one request of you. And that is just make yourself at home. Just make yourself at home. That's our heart and that's our desire. And my desire for you is that uh, uh, all of us river runners would help you to feel like this is home. That this is a safe place, this is a good place for you to be. And those of you who are watching online, I'm glad that you guys are gathering uh, here with us as well. Um, and even though you can't make it here with us and gather with us, highly encourage you to connect with each other through the comments, through the chats, because one of the things that's really important for us, the reason why Jesus made this, started this movement 2,000 years ago, isn't just for our own you know, individual benefit, which it is, it's a blessing to us, but also to call us together as a community as a people, for us to connect uh, deeply and well. And so, uh, as you kind of already noticed, that uh, we are in this series called Generosity, just like Nate was saying here. And um, this idea of generosity, we're looking at it from just kind of a different perspective of just kind of a more wider perspective on generosity, more of a, a principled approach, rather than just kind of thinking about how I think how we often think about generosity as something that we do, that generosity is an act of kindness. But if you read through Scripture and you look at Jesus' life and the character and integrity of God, you will see that generosity is a lot more than just something we do. In fact, really, I think what God's vision and hope for all of us is not, not that we would just do generosity, but generosity would really mark who we are, okay? That generosity isn't just something we do, but it's, it's really about who we are, or better yet, who we are becoming, that we are becoming like Jesus Christ, because Jesus was incredibly generous, generous with the way that he lived his life, generous in the way that he related to other people, and he was just generous from the very beginning to the very end. It wasn't just something that he did, it was who he is, he is generous. It's part of his DNA. In fact, one of the things that God is doing in our hearts, in our lives, is changing our hearts, giving us what Scripture says, a new heart, by which we become people who just love. It's just what we do. That we are becoming people who are just generous. That's just who we are. We just do it. In fact, I think God's goal in our lives is that we're just generous, and we don't even know we're generous, because that's just who we are. And Justin started us off last week with the Good Samaritan. And we found that, you know, when Jesus told this story, that generosity isn't about, well, I'm going to be generous to these people because I like them. I'm not going to be generous to those people because I don't like them. And I'm not going to ask God, okay, God, who do you want me to be generous to? And who do I not have to be generous to? Because one of the things that we find out when we look through Scripture and what we see what Jesus says is that, no, 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 no. it's not about who you are to be generous to. The better question is, and to ask before God, is, am I generous, period? And so we talked about defining this word generosity in these terms. That generosity really is just an open heart that freely moves toward people. It's really all it is, okay? 
It's really about God moving my heart by which when I see somebody, I just love them and I come in, in contact with them and connect with them. And so, yes, generosity may see like, man, I have a friend or I see somebody in need or I see a group of people in need. And so I have the resources. So I resources them because I love them. But it's more than that. It's not just that. It's also about, hey, you know what? This person is talking to me about something that's important in their lives. I'm going to listen. So I have this open heart by which I'm connecting it to somebody else to listen to them, to value them, to love them, to show that love to them. So it really is more of an open heart that freely moves toward another person. So we're kind of also dispelling some myths that generosity in God's eyes is not just like, you know what, I do something, I'm generous towards somebody else to get something back. Good karma, right? do something good, I'll get good stuff coming back. That's not the kind of generosity that we're going to see from Scripture and that we're not going to see from, from Jesus because generosity is just generous no matter what. And generosity is not getting, doing something in order to pat ourselves on the back. It is simply loving and being generous with an open heart towards other people because that is just who we are becoming because we are becoming just like Jesus. So today we're going to kind of look at this idea of generosity from this kind of this angle here of leadership and of influence, okay? And this is going to be important as we kind of look at Jesus because there was nobody who was more influential. There isn't a bigger leader, more powerful person, most influential person than Jesus. And so we're going to look at it from the, his lens of how he was a, incredibly generous from this lens of, you know, how he was influential and how he Led. Now, you may say, wait a minute, I'm not really a leader, I'm not really influential in any of that. But here's the deal. All of us lead and all of us have influence, all right? All of us lead and all of us have influence. We may not have a job title or put somewhere in some kind of organizational chart, but we all have influence and we all lead. Maybe in your family, it may be with the friends and the relationships you, that you have. You'd be surprised the things that you say, the way that you treat other people has influence in the lives of other people. And yes, you may have, uh, you know, a, a position in the community or in your company or organization that you may be a part of that has some leadership to it. But my hope is, is that no matter who we are, we would see that as we reflect Christ, we would reflect the way that we lead others and influence others through an open heart toward other people. In other words, here's kind of like the big idea for this, this message today. Is that generous leadership, just taking our definition of what we're talking about, generous, generous leadership leads, leads, influences others through an open heart that moves toward people. Now, historically, when we think about leadership, we tend to think about leadership in the, the sense of being a privileged position by which you have the power and authority and the influence to get people to do the things you want them to do for your own agenda or for your own glory. We think about kings and nations and leaders and, um, you know, we idolize them because of their power and what they do and what they can get other people to do for them. And so what we're going to look at is how Jesus just totally upended the idea of leadership being this place that you're on top of the pyramid by which you tell everybody to do what you want to do so you can have what you want to have, okay? That's not the, the generous leadership, um, you know, of Jesus Christ. 
Jesus led through an amazing open heart towards you and me for us because he loves us. And he did that his whole entire life and ministry here on earth. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at a a passage from John's writing about Jesus' life. And we're going to look at something that Jesus did. It's very famous. Paintings have been painted about it. People have talked about it. And, you know, you've probably heard messages about it if you've grown up in the church. If you've never heard um, about this thing that Jesus does that we're going to talk about here, you're going to see the character and integrity of Jesus Christ and why so many of us in this room follow Jesus and his leadership. So it's in John chapter 13. We're going to begin in verse 1. So you can open up your Bible. You can get your your phone out with your camera. You get the QR code in front of you. You can follow along. It's also going to be on the screens here. So let's begin. Verse 1. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. Now let me give you context. Because context is very important. So right here in John chapter 13 through John chapter 17, John uh, records a very intimate evening with Jesus Christ and his closest followers. Before Jesus was going to be uh, betrayed, before his closest friends and confidants and followers ditched him for their own self-preservation, and before He was just going to get the snot beat out of him, mocked, and then killed. And it's important to understand the context here is that Jesus knew all of this. This was kind of like a nice little way, you know, kind of like a G-rated kind of deal. Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world, you know. Jesus knew that he was about to get beat up, pummeled, mocked, made fun of, humiliated, and die a gruesome death. He knew this. And this is all about to happen. You know, our natural inclination, maybe, maybe it's not yours, but I think it's, you know, I feel this way, and I know other people that feel this way. When crisis happens, the first thing that is kind of our natural inclination is kind of self-protection and go inward, right? Especially when you know something really hard or bad is going to happen. It's like fight or flight, you know, either we just go all haywire on all other people or we get paralyzed here. Jesus goes a different way here. Knowing full well what is about to happen to him, what does he do? He continues to love his disciples. How long? To the very end. One of the things that we see about Jesus' generosity, Jesus was generous no matter the circumstance, all the way to the end. There's nothing, there's no ebb and flow in his generosity. There's nothing that, that shakes his character or who he is as a, as a man who loved, loved his father and loved us, even to the point of death. All the way to the finish line, we see with Jesus a leadership of generosity and of love. He loved them to the very end. The other thing that we see about Jesus and the way that he lived his life and the way that he was continuously generous, he was generous even when people were selfish. In other words, generous leadership, another thing that we can learn from Jesus is that generous leadership is not led by the selfishness of others. In other words, you know, somebody's selfish to us, well then I'm going to be selfish to them. That's not leadership, that's following 
Well, if you are selfish to me, then I'm going to be selfish to you. If other people are going to be selfish to me, then I'm just going to be selfish. One of the things that we see about the character of the leadership of Jesus is that even when other people were selfish, he continued to be who he was and still is. He is love. He is generous no matter what. Because we see in verse 2, the very next verse here, we enter Judas Iscariot. And he says here in verse 2, it was the time, it was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Judas. Jesus already knew this, that there was already somebody in his midst that was going to completely betray Jesus out of his self-centeredness. And he knew that. But what we're going to see as we kind of go through this passage here, it didn't deter him. Why? Because his leadership wasn't predicated upon other people. His leadership was predicated upon his love of the Father, the Father's love for him, and his continued love for other people no matter what. And the other thing that we see from here is, as well as that generous leadership, um, generous leadership leverages the position to serve others. In other words, what we see from Jesus, Jesus didn't see his position as, you know, this opportunity to, you know, to use us. He saw his opportunity to change us because he loves us. Andy Stanley is a pastor here in the United States, and he says it like this, and I really like the way he says it. He said, leadership is not a privilege. It is a stewardship. I love that because it's true. Because the way that the world says is that leadership, putting in yourself, it's good to be the king, right? You know, it's a privilege. So now I get to use my resources, my power for me. Jesus comes along and says, no, leadership is a stewardship by which we use that position to love, to serve generously the people that we have influence over. And that's exactly what we see in the character of Jesus Christ. Going on in verse 3 here, Jesus knew, again, John kind of gives you an idea of what's going on with Jesus so we can understand the character and integrity of Jesus. Jesus knew that he was about to die, didn't deter him. And Jesus knew here that God had given him what? Authority over everything. Jesus has authority over everything. He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He's sovereign over everything. The Father said, you have everything. All right? So let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever thought about, hey, you know what? If I was the boss, this is what I would do. If I was the president of the United States, this is what I would do. If I won the lottery, the $2 billion, this was, is what I would do. And oftentimes when we think about, you know, um, if we were in that place of absolute free choice to do whatever you want because you have been given authority over everything and everyone, what would you do with that? And so, what we see is what Jesus would do with that. You know, hey, if I won the lottery, this is what I would do. If I was the king for a day, this is what I would do. If I was the leader of the, the free world, this is what I'd do. But if you ask Jesus, Jesus, what would you do if you are given authority over everything? What would you do? How would you leverage that power, that position, that leadership? Well, we know. We know exactly what he'd do. Because in the very next verse, so, right? So, 
What did he do? This is what Jesus does. Having the authority of all things, what does Jesus do? He gets up from the table. It's a position of leadership and of honor that he had at this supper table. He got up from the table. He took off his robe, which is this, this position of humility and being humble. And he wrapped a towel around his waist and he poured water into a basin. So everybody in this room is looking at Jesus and is wondering, what is he doing? They don't know yet. Until he begins to wash their disciples' feet. Drying them with the towel that he had around him. This is the type of leadership of Jesus. Who's been given authority of all things. He can do whatever he wants. And this is his choice. His choice is to get up, take off the outer garments of kind of symbolic of his authority, and he puts water in a basin, and he begins to wash his disciples' feet. This is what servants do. This is what other people do. In fact, since if there wasn't a servant there, this was probably something that the disciples should have done to Jesus. But you know what? Nobody has done this. Nobody got around and had the servant's heart to go and wash each other's feet. But the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who's been given authority of all things, gets up and begins to wash their feet. Which is another important understanding about how God desires for us to generously lead. And that is that we will be generous even if nobody else is. We would be generous even if nobody else is. Now, I know, I, you know, being in the church and, you know, being part of the church for so long, and some of you have been in the church for so long, you may have heard that, you know, the 80-20 rule, right? Or the 20-80 rule, 20% does 80% of the work. You know, how many of you have ever done, like, been served in a church before or somewhere, and you just feel like, you know, I'm tired, nobody else is serving, and da, 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 da. man, I'm with you. I've felt that way many, many, many times in the church until, until, you know, I complain to God. Never works complaining to God, right? It just doesn't. So I'm, I'm complaining to God. I remember I'm just complaining to God. I don't get a little, you know, whining deal. And, 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 and God is, if he, God just speaking to my heart. You know what? My son did what nobody else would do. He died on the cross for you, Tyler. No, there's no 20, 80% with God. Jesus Christ was generous, even if we're not. To be made in the image of Jesus Christ is to say, okay, Lord, to be like you is I'm going to be generous, even if nobody is. I'm going to continue to love others as you have loved me, even if nobody else does. It's the Jesus, it's the, the 20, 80% rule out the window. Jesus' rule is, you know, be generous as I have been generous to you. Generous leadership leads for others, even if others don't even understand that, okay? And that's important as well. When we look at Jesus and the way that he led other people, he was generous, no matter what, if, whether other people understood him, whether other people uh, d- weren't generous, uh, he led. That's leadership, And so what we see here is that they don't really understand why in the world is Jesus doing this. It's a little confounding to them. They also kind of think, well, this is wrong. 
Because strong leadership is leading from the point of power and position and to tell everybody what they're supposed to do. And if they don't, this is what's going to happen to them. And so they're a little confused by why would the leader get up and, and humble himself to a place of servanthood to wash smelly feet. And so we see this in the very next verse, five, verse 5. He goes on and said, when Jesus came to Simon Peter to wash his feet, Peter said to him, whoa, 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 no, 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 no. This is not how the, the, the order of things should work in this world. Okay? He said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Because you're Lord. Lords don't wash feet. Lords tell servants to wash feet. So, Lord, why are you washing my feet? And Jesus replied, Peter, you, you don't understand. You don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. You know, there's a lot of things that, you know, I've, I've always think about Peter, and, and there, was a, there was a time when Peter said, um, you know, Jesus said to his disciples, hey, guys, I'm going to die. And Peter basically said, hey, you know what? You're, I will never let this happen. And by which Jesus responded, which just seems really nice, right? You know, hey, guys, I'm going to die. No, no, no. Hey, man, we're not going to let you die. Sounds very nice, right? So that's what Peter says to him. And then Jesus says, responds to him, get behind me, Satan, Satan, because you do not have the mind of the Lord, but of man. You're thinking this from a worldly perspective. I need to die. There is a purpose to this. P uh, Jesus is saying to Peter here, Peter, you don't understand what I'm doing here but you're going to understand. And so Peter then says, well, wait a minute. No, you will never wash my feet. You know, you're not going to wash my feet. You're the Lord. I'm the servant. And, and Jesus says, no, wait a minute. Unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. So what is Jesus talking about here? Just kind of get an idea. If you, really what Jesus is talking about here is his death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus Christ served us and loved us to the very end to where he gave up his life for us, for the forgiveness of all of our sins. All of us have missed the boat. All of us have been selfish. All of us have not been generous 100% of the time, right? But Jesus Christ, who has been generous and loving and perfect all the way to the end, gave up his life to forgive us of our sins, to wash the dirt and the stain of our sins away, that we are cleansed before a holy, righteous God. And so what Jesus is saying here is, Peter, Peter, unless I wash you with my blood, with my sacrifice, you have no part with me for eternity. I have come to humble myself as a servant to wash you because I love you so that you can be with me and have a part with me for all eternity. It's love. So what did Jesus do? He led generously for the sake of Peter, and giving up his life for Peter, so Peter can be forgiven of his sins and have eternal life and have that relationship with God forever and ever and ever. That's how Jesus leads. It's how he's called us to lead as well. And so he says to Peter, hey, I got to do this. If, if I don't wash you with my blood, you have no part of me. Peter loves Jesus, by which that's why Jesus then exclaims to him and says to him in this next verse, in verse 9, he says, then wash my hands 
and, and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Wash all of me then, because I want to be with you forever. By which Jesus then responds in the very next verse. He said, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And uh, you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. And that is why he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. In other words, what he's saying here is this. He's saying to Peter, hey, you know what? My work on the cross is the provision that you need. Nothing more than that. My provision of my sacrifice for you to wash you of your sins is all you need. You don't need any do anything more. I don't need to do anything more. It really comes down to that. But Jesus said that there's, a, there's still somebody there, and he brings up Judas again, that there's going to be somebody who's going to betray him. And he knew that. And here's the other thing I think it's important when it talks about leadership and leading. One of the things that's important about leading is that, and, and especially generously, here's the thing, and this is just reality, and sometimes this reality is kind of hard. That is, you can be incredibly generous to somebody, and it makes no difference in their life. And you kind of say, well, then I don't want to be generous then. But if we're allowing God to conform us into his image to be like him, then we're just generous because that's who we are, irregardless of whether somebody's generous in, in return. Jesus washed Judas's feet. He humbly got down and washed his feet. And even in that moment, it didn't turn Judas's heart because he was a self-centered person who's looking out for himself and his own selfish wants by betraying Jesus. But that did not keep Jesus from washing his feet. If Jesus were just going to say, okay, well, you know what? This person, 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 through all these times, they're not going to accept my beautiful gift of forgiveness through the death on the cross, then I'm just not going to do it. Jesus doesn't do that. He sacrificed his life for all of humanity, giving us the opportunity of whether we accept that gift or whether we reject it. And there have been people who have rejected that. But that doesn't mean he didn't stop being generous. And so we see that in our our own lives, that we are called to be people who are people of generosity, irregardless of whether people are are generous in return. We are to be generous and love people, even if it doesn't change their lives. You say, why? Why do we do that? Because our generosity is not about what we do. Our generosity is about who we are becoming. It's in who we are. And so, one of the last things we see with Jesus here is generous leadership expects others to lead generously. In fact, when Jesus talks about, when we see here about Jesus's leadership and his influence into the lives of his people, his expectations of them as a leader is that they would and we would be people who lead and influence and live our lives generously just as he had and still does to this very day. Because he goes on in verse 12. It says, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again. And he sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher. And he goes on and he says, you call me teacher and Lord. And you're right. That is right. I am your Lord and I am your teacher. Let that sink in. For those of us who call upon Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we should let it sink in 
that, that, you know, we call him teacher and Lord. And Jesus says, that is true. I am your Lord and I am your teacher because that's what I am. Now, since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. That we would be people that would reflect the generosity and the love of Jesus Christ in the way that our hearts are freely open towards other people, that we would be people that would step into the dirt and the muck in the lives of other people because we love them and because that's just who we are and our desire for God's way to have in other people's lives. And their lives may be washed, their lives may be forgiven, they may experience the grace and the relationship that we've experienced through Jesus Christ as well, that we would just do that. Now, if, if he's our Lord and teacher. Now, since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to do the same. Now, he goes on, says, just in case, you know, just kind of let it sink in a little bit. And uh, I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. In other words, he's saying to his disciples, guys, you're not more important than me. You're not more important than me. You you know, you, I am your Lord. I am your teacher. I am your master. You're not more important than me. And here's the thing that I think Jesus would say to us today. The moment that we think that people exist for us is the moment we believe we're more important than Jesus Christ. The moment we believe that other people exist for our influence or for our agenda is the moment we believe we're more important than Jesus. Because Jesus emphatically says, as a teacher and as a Lord, do as I have done for you. You go and serve. I'm the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and I get down on my knees and I serve you and love you and give up my life for you. So, Slaves, servants, people who are, you know, not the teacher, not the Lord, not the rabbi, but the servants and creation of the Lord God, go and do the same thing. Be like me. The moment that we leverage other people for our own agendas, our own self-centeredness, is the moment we believe that we are the Lord and we are the teacher of the Lord and the teacher, Jesus Christ. Now, he says... He goes on, now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. God will bless you. I think Jesus also recognized that as the person who's probably uh, the most healthy individual who's ever lived on this planet, emotionally healthy, spiritually healthy, who dealt with hard stuff, harder stuff than any of us in this room had dealt with, and I know a lot of you and you've dealt with a lot of hard stuff, That even in all of those hard things, Jesus knew this is exactly where he wanted to be. Why? Because he loves us. Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews said this. He said, for the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross. For the joy set before him. The joy was not being nailed to wooden beams. The joy was not being mocked and ditched. The joy was the end result of seeing our lives changed. The joy was being 
under the will of his loving father for him, the joy was because out of his love for us that he was willing to give up his life for us. Sometimes when we think about the cross and Jesus says, you know, take up your cross daily and follow me. When we think about taking up the cross, sometimes we think about and you're like, man, do I really want to take up a cross every single day? That sounds horrible. It sounds very painful, you know. But when we kind of flip it on, 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 you know, on its head and we realize that when the way Jesus saw the cross, Jesus didn't see the cross as this, oh, sacrifice. He saw it as a joy of an opportunity for a bunch of people to be washed clean of their sins so they can be forgiven for eternity by which we can have a relationship with him forever. He didn't see it as a sacrifice as much as he saw it as an opportunity for our lives to be changed forever. When we, and you know, I'm myself included, when I get really selfish, then when I think about sacrifice, I want to sacrifice because I'm thinking about me. But when I find that God is moving in my heart, I tend to find that I give up more time towards other people, whether it's my family, my community, or my neighbors. I tend to be more loving towards other people. I tend to have a greater vision, and I tend to even begin to think that this doesn't feel so much like a sacrifice anymore. Why? What has changed? It's my heart, an open heart that freely moves towards other people. And so I wanted to speak into this because one of the things, like I said, all of us here have influence and we lead others in our family, in our community, our neighbors, even at work. You may not have a title, but let me tell you, you love and you're generous to the people in where you work, the way that Christ has been generous and loves you, you will have an influence in the lives of other people. Just as Christ has had an influence in your life and just as those who have helped you to see the grace of Jesus Christ, I'm sure was generous in your life and it changed yours. Father, the reason why you're a savior, the reason why you sent your son Jesus Christ to be our savior is because our heart does tend towards ourselves. Self-preservation, self-wants. If we had all win the lottery, we we, you know, uh, could be king for the day. A lot of layering in there tends to bend towards ourselves. It doesn't often reflect your goodness and your grace. And so first, Father, we, we just ask for your forgiveness of those thoughts and those things in our lives. So we're asking you, I'm asking you that you would wash my heart over. You would wash our hearts over. That we would be people who have influence and leadership in this world that's not like this world, but is like you like your son, Jesus Christ. It's in your son's name I pray.